And we're live. Good evening. <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of the podcast. He's back, y'all. He's rested up and he's ready to roar. I am back. <clears throat> Let me uh, take a minute to thank Scott Davis from CHW for coming in uh, last minute and, and last week and saving my ass because I had no no plan or clue what I was going to do. So I called Scott and I'm like, hey, please, watch please. it last week. We need different, right? <laughs> right. I said, hey, what are you doing at nine o'clock tonight? He was like, nothing. I'm like, you want to be a guest on the podcast? And he was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I, I checked in on you a couple of times. I didn't, I didn't stay with you the whole time. I noticed you went pretty late. Yeah, it was so good. You must have had some good comments, of, but I, really I, good I checked in on you a couple of times, but then I had to, I had other things I was trying to do. So, yeah, but trying uh, to get yeah, to the bottom but, of a bottle of bourbon. I got to the bottom of it. Um, but it took me all week. So oh, okay, well that's good. But we had we had lots of lots of other things to do. It was good. We had a great week. Had weather was good. I had to do payroll on Wednesday and it and it rained Wednesday, so that didn't hurt Perfect anything. Time. Yeah. Perfect timing. And other than that, we had a had a great week. I mean, I ate, I, I ate like a fool, but yet I lost two pounds. I stayed keto the whole time. Uh, fortunately, shrimp is keto. Hmm. So, um, and we were at the. Uh, on one of the weekends, it was the International Shrimp Festival that goes on every year down there. And they, any which way you can do a shrimp, they do it. You know, there's booth after booth after booth after booth of mm. people. Um, you know, it's kind of like a festival, fall festival. They got all this art stuff, and but uh, it was it was good. I mean, I've been I've been going down there I've, with just a few exceptions since the early '80s. Mm. And, um, did y'all go in 2020? We didn't go. We, we, we went in 2021. We did not go in 2020. We, 2019, there was a hurricane. We didn't go. 2020 was the lockdown. We didn't go. We ended up going last year. Hmm. Well, it's uh, another Sunday night and, uh, we don't have a plan topic. Um, so we're just kind of running about to leave our pants. Um, well, let's start off with our, our sponsor, okay? Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, I did talk to um, Bill there, who is our contact there, and he asked me how I thought things were going. And I said, well, that'd be a better question for me to ask you. And I said, you know, here's what we're doing. I told him about TikTok, and, 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 and he said, yeah. He said, you know, we're all good. And I said, well, good. I mean, we're very happy, too. So, um, and they keep, they keep sending the check, so. Yeah. Almost be working out great, but so anyway, uh, now look, I need to clarify something because a couple of you have emailed me about now you, for the audio. You 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 didn't say the name of the sponsor. Oh well, our sponsor is Pittsburgh Power. We are um, distributors of their OPS products and the Max Mileage Fuelborne Catalyst product. We have those products in stock, ready for delivery or you to pick up if you're coming through West Virginia. What we, just we, got a, we just got a comment said to check my audio. Are you hearing me okay? I'm hearing you fine. Hear you mm-hmm. fine. Um, okay. So uh, I just want to make sure that people understand. I had a couple of emails, though. People, it says your mic is not working, but I'm hearing you fine. Well, that's weird. I don't know how no. you can hear me, but they can't hear me. I don't know. Well, while you're checking, I will... Uh, Peter says audio is good. Chris sounds like he's across the room. 
I don't even hear that to either. Hmm. That is that's, bizarre. And that's from Rodney. Rodney's pretty reliable. Um, I can hear you. You sound like a different mic is picking you up. Well, let me check. Have you got? Oh. I found the problem. Oh, you did change. It did change. Is that better? It wasn't going through this mic. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're good to go now. Now can I can I carry on? Okay. Um. So, um, uh, hey, Donald Davis, are you the Donald Davis that I think you are? Uh, uh, looks like him. All right. Good deal. Good to hear from you, man. So, uh, anyway, I had a couple of emails this week where people were trying to get me to price or order or supply uh, Pittsburgh Power products that weren't OPS. Or right. Knowledge. Right. I just need to clarify that we, 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 although we want you to, to contact Pittsburgh Power, we don't have the full product line. We only yeah. are distributors of the max mileage and the OPS. So, by all means, call them and let them know where you heard from them. Please do that. Okay. And, uh, but uh, if it's not one of these two products, you need to contact them and, um, and just let them know that you heard about them on our podcast and that you'd like to, to place an order. Now the OPS stuff, we do have that in stock and the uh, max mileage, we do have that in stock. So um, ready to ship. And uh, if not, if you, if you're a max mileage customer and you come through West Virginia, uh, give Chris a shout and he'll meet you and uh, either re uh, refill your uh, existing jugs or sell you new jugs. So we would like to get, we've got some stock that we'd like to get rid of that is, is a bulk. So we really like to get rid of this existing bulk stock. So bring your old jugs and get and and take that off our hands. So, all right. Uh, like, and subscribe, you know, we're, we, you know, we, um, we're, we're use these data, what do you call them? The statistics, uh, Analy analytics, is what analytics. They call it in the business. Okay. Yeah. It helps us with our, uh, with our sponsorship revenue as we seek it. Uh, we do have a couple of other people, by the way, that are looking at us. Can't divulge those names yet, but we might have some other sponsors here shortly that are related, but not the same as the ones that we have. Uh, I did tell you about the major tire supplier at BCO days. Did I or not? Did not? No, tell me about that later. Okay. So anyway, um, what's going on in the world? I've, I've been well, kind of, I've got, I'm, I do have a little something that I would like to say. We right. have, um, we've had a lot of people come through this program and we've had some leave because they took advantage of what the program is, which is giving them an opportunity to see behind the curtain and how the sausage is made. And they went, Ooh, no, thanks. You know, now I see what it's like to run a, a, a successful business and I don't, I don't want to do it. We've had a few that have been invited to leave by Landstar for whatever reason. We've had a couple that we have invited to leave ourselves. Um, but we have had a really good bunch of people. We've got a really good bunch right now. And we've got some coming in that we're excited about. Um, but I got a little taste of what it's like to deal with truck drivers over the last few days and couple weeks. And I'm really thankful for the people that have come through this program, even if they've left, even if they're like, eh, it's not for me, uh, or even a couple of the ones that we've had to let go for whatever reason, 
we've had a really good bunch of people and this is not easy. It is, it's hard. It's stressful. It's difficult. Um, and we try our best to God help me flatten the curve. Um, but, um, you know, we, we have tried our best to create an environment where you can come and learn, um, without the financial risk of bankruptcy, divorce, foreclosure, and all the stuff that comes with doing this wrong, because if you do it wrong, it's going to be really, really bad. And, uh, so we've just, I just want to recognize that, you know, we've got a bunch of good people here that I'm glad are here. And we've had some that have come and gone or have completed the program and moved on. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've seen how the other side lives and I don't want any part of it. If you know what I mean? Well, we, uh, I, I know what you mean, obviously. And, and I will chime in that, you know, we, we're, we're very, very particular about who we let in the program here. You know, our, our interview process is, is rather, um, uh, exhaustive, uh, and sometimes aggressive. Terrifying. Uh, the reason why is because we know what it takes to do this. We know how hard it is to, uh, to, to be in business and stay in business. And, and normally not counting 2022 and, and quote the bloodbath or the market adjustment or whatever term you want to use. We know, I mean, I've been in business for, you know, almost 50 years. Um, so we, we just try to make sure that people are doing this and, and they understand what they're getting into. Um, you know, we had the opportunity, uh, recently to, to work with some, you know, with some people that aren't in our program and, and we it just made us really understand why we're so particular about who we let in here, you know, uh, because I mean, we don't, we don't ask people here to do anything that's, that's, that's incredibly difficult. It's mainly common sense, courtesy, uh, professionalism, understanding what it takes to, you know, to build and maintain relationships, the effort that you have to put forth to, to, you know, to, to have a relationship. And, um, and it's, it's just, you know, it, it, we take it for granted, Chris, because that's all we work with. But you've heard me say, and you quote me on this all the time. And, and this, this illustrates it better than I ever, ever could have is that man, there's a lot of capacity out there, but there's very, very little competition. So, and we, uh, 100%. Yeah. So we, um, you know, I mean, I see on the top, there's a common topic on the Landstar groups because everybody hears this cliche, build uh, uh, relations, build relations. Mm -hmm. You hear those two words all, you start at orientation and it goes, I mean, it's every day. It's every day. And people, they ask these questions, well, how do I build a relationship? And, you know, it's, it's not difficult. It, there's not, you don't have to go buy donuts. You don't have to go, you know, you just have to treat people right. You know, I, I, I saw one just the other day. I, 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 there was someone I was talking about, uh, an agent was on one of the groups asking other agents uh, if they were using macro point or, or any type of tracking thing. And of course, here comes the, here comes BCOs. And one of them said, as a BCO, I refuse to uh, use macro. And I, I was on vacation, so I did not bother to deal with this. But I thought to myself, how ignorant can one person be? You know, I mean, here's a person that has that 
you know, he's in the business of hauling somebody else's freight for money, but yet he does not, he refuses to let that person know where their freight is. And I guess that's supposed to be uh, part of building a relationship. Uh, it, it's not rockets. You know, I, I sometimes I copy these, um, these, I guess you call them memes, these sayings I see in, on Facebook all the time. I, ca- I capture a bunch of those and I, I use them periodically, you know, uh, uh, as just uh, little motivators. Or I use them in our slideshows. And one of the ones I remember is that it, the easiest way to, to, uh, to, to, to keep a customer is put yourself in his place. You know, treat the customer the way you wish that you were to be treated. And that, that's not really, that's not rocket science. You know, all we ask people here to do is to be, is to, is to be courteous and professional enough to let them know where you are. That's all it takes. You know, it doesn't <laughs> be an extended conversation. It's just like, Hey, I've arrived. Email. Yeah. And I'm taking trailer number. And by the way, I'm leaving and I'm taking trailer number. I mean, how hard is that to do? But yet, we have people in this industry. I've heard people say, well, if they, if they need what I got bad today, they'll need it worse tomorrow. I mean, I've heard that over and over and over <laughs> again. Yeah. Uh, but yet they're the same ones that get mad when they go out here and they're treated badly by some, you know, someplace. So it, it's just not that difficult. It, it's not, it, it, if you just do the little things, Believe me, you'll set yourself apart from most of the other people. You see now why I say how easy it is to set yourself apart from 90% of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that slide's been in my, in my presentation for, for as long as we've been doing it. And I think people look at that and think, well, that's just simplistic. But now you see, right? Yeah. Well, when I, and it was weird when I came to Landstar, I just did that. Like when I was at ATS, I had the Qualcomm, but I would send my fleet manager an email every morning and I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm all good and on time. You know, that, that's literally all I would say, you know, if I had a problem I'd, and it was just a courtesy, right. To, to help him help me. Right. And <clears throat> so when I came to Landstar and I, I'm like, Oh, well, email is the, that's the communication bridge. When I got somewhere, I'd send them an email. Hey, I'm here. And when I got done, I'd be like, all right, I'm leaving. You know, and I'd get to the receiver and be like, all right, I'm here. And I'm leaving. Like, and, and agents would be like, oh, thank you so much for your communication. I'm like, I sent you like eight words. But they're like, but now, of course, now I get it. You know, now I've seen the other side um, where, you know, an agent's begging for an update. BCO won't give it. You know, that uh, and it's uh, uh it's just a courtesy that's that's the that's the thing but even i'll see it when people come here like and i remember going to orientation in april of 2014 and they handed me a little white card that had all the phone numbers i programmed them all into my phone right there like instantly come cuz i'm i know this never goes anywhere that i'm you know it, it it's always with me but I'll lose this card. So let me just go ahead and program all these numbers into my phone. Took me about five minutes. And I've, we've hired a few people over time. And I'm like, do you, do you have my number programmed into your phone? Uh, no. 
Oh, so what? Are you going to use telepathy, or ESP to to, to con? Well, I'll send you a text. Okay, but what if you need to call me? Oh, well, yeah, I guess I'll program you. So, I I sometimes take for granted that just because I would do it, that that everyone else would come to that natural conclusion and do the same thing that I did, but they don't, and. And, and so, uh, you know, I have to, sometimes I have to adjust my, uh, expectations to make sure that everyone understands, you know, what it is we're trying to do, but why, you know, I've had, I've said to a bunch of people, just remember the why, if you'll remember the why the rest of it works itself out. Why are we communicating with agents when we arrive and leave? Because they deserve it because it's a basic courtesy. It's information that they need to know. Well, it shouldn't be that hard to go, oh, okay, well, why I'm doing something should help me figure out how. And at that point, it's not a big of a deal. Well, we, we said over and over here, you know, that um, you, you can, <laughs> the answers to things are available to you. You can learn, okay, or you can just go on Facebook and ask somebody something every time you need to know something and deal with about 80 opinions and maybe never still get the correct answer. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, how many times you see on Facebook, I've, I've actually seen this. I've left my little um, laminated card in the truck. Can somebody give me the number to Landstar? I'm home and don't have my with, with me. I mean, I don't know if I could bring myself to go on Facebook and ask that. <laughs> I'd Google it first, you know, because well, I, I bet you could get the Jacksonville switchboard. <laughs> I, I suspect me. that Lance, if you just started to start in taping in three or four letters, it'd be the number one hit, you know, wouldn't be hard to figure it out. But the, the bottom line is you got to You got to, you got to have a little want to here. You know, you got to have a little desire. And, um, uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, I, we, we talk all the time and I'm, I, I, I say sarcastically that we're not, we don't look to our truck drivers here because we don't really have jobs. You know, we have a training program that takes people that have trucking skills and teaches them the business skills to be able to be professional, um, long-term business people successful. Um, and, and I guess I forget what I mean when I, when I say truck driver, because my God, I mean, there, there are, and I, and I, I want to talk about this. I, I was going to wait till later on, but I, I road tripped this week twice. I road tripped 700 miles South on 65 mainly. And I road tripped it back. And usually when I'm traveling with another couple, we, we, the subject comes, the subject of trucking comes up because, you know, you're around them all day. They pass you people and they know you're in the business, ask you questions. And normally I talk uh, about trucking, like, you know, like it's something that I'm, I'm proud to be a part of, but I'll tell you what, after watching how you professional truck drivers drive on the road, uh, it, it embarrassed me. To, to say that I was in part of this industry because the worst drivers I encountered in the 1400 miles I drove this week were professional truck drivers. Uh, it, it was, it was incredible 
how how most truck drivers uh, did not leave proper following distance between them and and the vehicle in front of them. It was amazing how many improper lane changes, unnecessary lane changes, speeding. Uh, it, It was incredible to me the level of unprofessionalism that professional truck drivers exhibit. And it was all day long, both days. Um, you know, I, y'all going to hate for, for this, but I pray to God that this um, speed limiter becomes law um, because it's the only thing that's going to slow you guys down. It, it will save most of your all's businesses because it'll save your fuel cost. Uh, and uh, if, if that, that's what the government has to do to get you guys to understand that you're driving around an 80,000 pound weapon of mass destruction. And I, and, and I love it when I see all these uh, talks about accidents between trucks. Believe me when I tell you this, everything I saw, the, 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 there was no accident going to happen. All the things I saw were intentional. You know, when you, when you ride right behind a four-wheeler going 65 or 70 miles an hour and you have no ability to stop, that's not an accident. That's just plain out murder. Yeah. That's ignorance, okay? Changing lanes, you know, without even checking to see if you're, I mean, I saw trucks literally cutting off cars, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not an accident, you know? It, it's just, I, I'm just, I am, I'm shocked, I'm disappointed, I'm appalled at the level of, of unprofessionalism that we have in this, in this industry. And then we can get back to talking about truck drivers and their dumbass attitudes. And the fact that they think that they're the only ones in this, in this chain that matter, you know, um, they're the only, you know, I went out and paid, uh, big money for a truck. I own a truck and, and, and because I bought a truck, I deserve to have $5 a mile rate. I demand to have that. Um, we talked, I, I caught some of your thing last, last week with Chuck talking about rates. Okay. Mm-hmm. And talking about, you know, uh, how, um, how it was impossible for an agent to skim money off of a loaded Landstar, you know, but yet it's, if you, if you, if you polled, uh, all BCOs, I would guarantee a 90% of them would, would maintain that agents are, um, affecting the rates and, mm-hmm. or, uh, having outside carriers carry the freight because they get more money off of it, which is exactly opposite mm-hmm. of what happens, you know. So you can find the truth, or you can just continue to believe all the bullshit that you hear. Mm-hmm. I was interviewed on a podcast this past week with a friend of mine um, called Best Practices. He had had me on there last year sometime and had me up for a follow up, and he just had general trucking questions. And he asked me about the relationship with four-wheelers. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you the truth. 25 years ago, the cars were the problem. Today, I have more four-wheelers show me courtesy than I do big trucks. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm creeping up on a slower vehicle on the right lane and used to be the, the driver coming by me in the left lane would see that and would back out of the throttle, flash lights and let me come out, you know, but now hit a turn signal, they'll just gas on it. You know, they'll put you in the ditch. They don't care. You know, and, and then you take, unfortunately, the, the average stupidity uh, or the stupidity level of the average American has gone way, way, way up in the last 10 years. And then we're, we're giving these people commercial driver's licenses and turn them loose. 
and these, these training companies are awful. Uh, they're just, <clears throat> they're just terrible. Um, and you would think being self-insured that they would have that vested interest, but they don't, they just, just, they, they just, it's like a factory mill, you know, and, and just, just keep churning them out. And, um, I, I would, you know, and I've said it before, I've been shocked in the last two or three years when we brought people in and I go, Oh, what? so you don't know how to read a map and you don't know how hours of service work. Uh, you know, Oh, well, we weren't allowed to do this and we weren't allowed to do that. And I'm like, well, how the, what, what were you allowed to do? You know? And so it, it, you know, there's a, there's a definite, definite crisis there. Um, I saw, uh, was it Lee Byer, you know, had a dash cam video of, of, I think it was a Schneider truck, you know, and the guy was two or three days out of training and just clueless. But the one difference, and of course Lee stepped in and went over and helped the guy. But when yeah, I started, I all that, yeah. when I started, all we had was the CB for entertainment and, and all that. And, and so it was always on. And so when I did something stupid, I heard about it instantly. I got instant yeah. feedback yeah. through the CB. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how I learned the, the rules of the road, if you will, that, that courtesy. Um, I learned it cause I got tired of getting yelled at, you know, if I was driving like an idiot, uh, you know, and it was fun last week. We had, we had a new driver that has only been driving two years has only ever drove for Schneider. And we were having this conversation about hours of service and ELDs and all this stuff. And he goes, well, what did you do before ELDs? And I said, we cheated like hell. <laughs> I had one logbook on the dash and one under the bed, you know, uh, th there was no, you know, drive coast to coast in a week, solo driver, four or 5,000 miles. And you just, you know, you just did it. And, um, now we have that logical fallacy that we have to deal with of, of the appeal to authority, all of the GPS said, or oh my trainer said, or the company said, and, and, you know, we, you've got law, you've got company policy and you got reality and you've got to find yourself somewhere in the middle of to where, you know, how you're going to make your decision. And that's what a lot of people struggle with is they don't know how to logically consider their own decision and the consequences that may or may not happen. They just want to be, well, Hey, I'm just doing what I told, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, I ran over a minivan full of seven kids, but I was just doing what I told. Yeah. I passed a lot of those billboards in 1400 miles, the hammer and, <laughs> yeah. uh, one, uh, one, one guy was talking about, he, he just had a $10 million, uh, verdict with a big truck. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not hard. It, it's not hard to do that because the, the dickhead truck driver, uh, leaves himself available or open to this, uh, to this liability because of his actions. You know, they, people wonder why Landstar is so stringent about the things they do, but they know what a nuclear verdict is. They've had mm -hmm. a couple of them, mm -hmm. you know, that's why you, that's why they had the sitting duck policy. That's why if you uh, run uh, 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 two stop signs with red flashing lights on them and T-bone a pickup truck, you have to go away for a year, you mm -hmm. know, uh, because they have to defend themselves in courts with these sympathetic juries and these, you know, um, trial lawyers that, you know, are just, 
now now they're all running after the 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 camp lejeune people right now thank god so um maybe they'll all get busy with trying to to get this 23 billion dollars the government is going to let people have for having uh um, dirty drink wa- drinking water while they lived in Camp Lejeune from 1957 until like a couple of years ago, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at some of the comments right now. Well, uh, ELD makes people drive that way. Well, <laughs> the ELD ain't driving, you know. Yeah. If, that if, that if reminds you, me. You're, you, know, you let an ELD dictate how you drive a truck. You, you remember? Uh, you remember? Uh, I wouldn't put that anywhere that a lawyer can get a hold of it. <laughs> okay. You remember? Um, oh, Greg Biffle, NASCAR driver. Oh yeah. Sure. When they first started doing all the computer engineering and stuff with the race cars, he's out testing. You know, he's yeah. driving the car, and, yeah. and he's mad because it's not doing what he wants it to do. And they got some guy with a computer, and he says, "Well, the." The computer says uh, it ought to work. And he's like, well, you get the computer to come out here and drive a goddamn thing. Cause it ain't working, you know? And you know, that, 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 okay. I'll give you this. ELDs made me plan better. That's a 100% fact. Yeah. Um, I just realized when I started on January, like 8th of 2011 with an ELD, I thought I better have a plan and a backup plan and a backup plan for my backup plan because now I have, I can't cheat like I did before. Okay. Well, the ELD, if you don't plan and now you have to run 80 miles an hour because you didn't engage the services of the BSE 9000 and you don't know when and you don't know how, and and then you haven't done any trip planning whatsoever. And it, well, ha, yep, it's the G is the EDL, ELD's fault. No, it's your fault. You know. So if you're again, you're going to blame an inanimate object for your behavior. That's the most American thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, um, it, it's it's because they they can't cover up their um their poor decisions. You know. Uh, I mean, look how many forensic analysis we do all the time oh, yeah. to help drivers figure out how, look, we book how many loads, seven, 80 loads a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we're, when you're booking a load, when we booked a load, what, what's the average speed that you use when you book a load, you know, to, to try to see if it, if, if it's, wor- if the driver can work in his schedule. What I 50, 50, 50, 55 miles. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, When, 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 when you, when you decide that you're going to stop early or stop too often or, or, or take a 14 hour break instead of a 10 hour break, those are decisions that you make. The ELD didn't make that. The ELD is going to keep you from cheating on it to cover up those decisions, but it didn't make those decisions. You did. And that's what everybody's upset with the ELD about. Nothing changed with the hours of service. Only the fact that you can't pull the sheet out, rip it up, and write a new one. That's the only thing that changed. Yeah. So, um, do they even train trip planning in schools? Negative. No, absolutely. No. Hell, they, they don't, don't know teach. What means. They don't teach math in government schools. You know, these sure as hell not going to teach. You can't. Never mind. I'm I'm about to jump down a rabbit hole. I'm gonna stop. Um, no, they, they. I mean, we know that because nobody can, nobody has ever come here and known how and known how to trip plan. 
Well, for one thing, didn't have to because they only got one trip at a time. You know, yeah, we we hear all the time. I'm so upset because my time is wasted so much because all they give me is one trip at a time and I have to sit around and wait for another one. And then we give them three and they can't do it because <laughs> they can't figure out how to put it together and make one trip out of it. You know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, Schneider used to. Schneider had a little formula, you know, and it was 50 miles an hour and, you know, add your brakes and stuff. And, but I guess just this dependence on technology. And again, y'all, I'm a technology guy. I've got Apple, everything on my desk. I'm all about the technology. I love it. But the dependence on it that you can't, of course, I got to thinking about this. I can remember being in high school. We weren't allowed to use a calculator. We had those, uh, <clears throat> oh, what were those fancy T.I. T.I. Yeah. T.I. 80. A scientific calculator. The, yeah, the, yeah. the T.I. 80. Yeah. And you could only use that on the scientific stuff. But it so but I'm going, OK, but we've literally gone. We've swung the pendulum to the other side that people can't even use the calculator anymore because um, they're doing common core math. You know, I think you're referring to this little jewel right here. That's that's the one right there. I've got one older than that. You want to see the old, one older than that? Nope. Oh, there you go. Yep. I remember that one. I think there's one of those in my desk as well. But <clears throat> you talk about a real BSC 9000. <laughs> yeah. If, you know, when I, when I started in 97, dude had one of these. It was just a lined yellow and, and you had to just write down the miles, you know, of course we knew all the mile markers and we had them all memorized and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was a paper map and in some sort of truck stop book, you know, that, that would list truck stops. But now to, to, I can do the same trip planning I did in 1997. I can just do it so much faster because I have Google and, and I have, I have all this stuff, but if you don't have at least the curiosity uh, and we get a lot of, well, I'm not very good with technology okay, we'll figure it out. You know, watch a YouTube video. If I can figure out how to do the stuff that I've figured out how to do on you, hell, this podcast exists because I've, you know, wanted to do a podcast in 2015 and I literally Googled, how do you make a podcast? And I read enough articles that I was able to put it together and recorded the very first one sitting in Chicopee, Massachusetts at some little truck stop with a little microphone sitting on my steering wheel. And that's how I recorded the very first episode and published it, you know? And, and of course I tried asking people maybe, okay, let me try this on for you. I remember wanting to do a podcast and I would go to people like there was a church that we went to that they had a podcast and I would go, well, Hey, how do, how do you do it? How, how do you do it? Oh, well, I don't know. And I could never get the answer. And I was so frustrated that I'm like, well, hell, I guess I'm going to have to figure it out myself. And I went, oh, so it's record an audio file and post it to the Internet in a in an iTunes syndication. That's it. You know, if you want to do a podcast, record an audio file, put it in iTunes syndication. You're a podcaster. It's that simple. Now, obviously, there's steps. But I had to eventually just go figure it out on my own. And that's the piece I think that's missing. It's like, you've got to be curious enough to number one, say, okay, I'm going to go figure this out. Number two, the confidence to say, I'm going to figure it out. And, and I have to be willing to screw it up or do it wrong. 
you know, or be wrong. And then three, uh, forgive myself after I've done it wrong and then try, try again. Um, you know, but everything I know, I learned just because I went and figured it out. And you got to have that drive and curiosity in order to get to the next level. And you can't trust that people are going to give you the right answer. You know, you, you never know. They might be, they don't want competition. You know, they don't want to tell you how they did what they're doing because they don't want you competing with them, uh, which is how we end up with most of the laws we've got. Uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> you said something interesting, you know, you're talking about mile markers. I mean, we've actually had people that came here and didn't realize that the mm -hmm. mile markers meant they were a mile, a mile apart. You know, the exit numbers actually were the, were the, um, that of course, my mind, the fact that the numbers went from South to North and West to East blew their mind as well too. Um, how the, how an interstate got its number relative to the other ones. Mm -hmm. Um, well, uh, I'm strong to the comment. Let me grab one here. Um, can you explain why you don't like the C15 cat engine? Um, I love, I love, let me be clear. I love the C15 cat engine. It's a great engine. It's just not as good for fuel mileage, especially now since it's out of production, um, as the Detroit. You know, it's a lot easier to find a lunatic truck that has a Detroit, a 10 or 13 with 358s or direct drive transmissions of 264 than it is to find a cat. Well, let cats. me let me remind the everybody about <laughs> our market okay our target um there's nothing wrong with having a truck with a cat none okay but what we're trying to do here is basically coach people who are buying their first truck for the first time and are becoming owner operators for the first time and all that's about minimizing risk we want to keep the risk as low as possible and in our opinion, again, you're, you're listening to a podcast that is about Chris Polk and Larry Long's opinion, okay? And in our opinion, that risk is, 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 um, is multiplied when you go with a Cat or a Cummins or anything except a Series 60 Detroit engine because of the cost of repairs, the availability of parts, and the reliability and the fuel mileage capabilities that, that it gives. So we um, don't have anything against cats. We just don't want you to buy for your first truck. You know, if you've got money in the bank, you're successful, you've got a maintenance account, you've got, you can pay cash for a truck. Look, that, that's a different story, but that's not what we do here. That's not what our audience is understands that we're advising people how to do this and stay in business after making a decision to go get a truck. The number one decision that people make that's wrong is buying the wrong truck. So that's why we talk about the lunatic truck. It's the right truck. You know, it, you're not going to pay too much for it. It's going to it's going to last millions of miles. And it's not that we can get one overhauled for $7,500. Okay. And yes, we can get the parts, 
and we there and the emission sensor is not on it. The one that's out in the Pacific Ocean in a container ship, we don't have to have that. So it's it's all it's not because we hate cat or prefer this or prefer like Chevy over Ford and like Ford over Dodge. That's not what it's about. It's about the decision to do the thing that makes the least amount of risk and the most amount of sense and will keep you in business longer. So you have a chance of saving up the money to go buy a truck someday that has chrome all over and a cat motor and you can salivate when you walk by it and get an erection when it turns on, you know, but that's not how we're going to start out. You know, no. Uh, let's see. Um, Evan, do you guys have any recommendations on audiobooks to listen to about leadership business or anything pertaining to trucking? Uh, yes, I do. Um, one important book that I think, you should get um, is called The Box by Le Mark Levinson. It's it's called uh, uh, How the Shipping Container Made the World Smaller and the Economy Bigger or something like that. Yep. It's a great book for helping you understand the industry that you're working in because it gives you the context, which is huge, about deregulation what happened between the fifties and the nineties, how the shipping container the, and the ship, the ship, that the ships that ship ships, you know, all of these massive, massive, massive container ships mm -hmm. and how global commerce is, is, is possible because of that and, and, and how the distribution network works. So that's, that's huge. Now, look, it, he's got a bunch of, he loves facts and figures, and there's a bunch of that in there, and it can make your eyes glaze over, so just press through it. But it's a great book about how the trucking industry got to where it's at. Now, if, then you can, of course, take that, and you can extrapolate to see what it's going to be like when we get blockchain, but I digress. Um, leadership, Dave Ramsey, of course, John Maxwell, um, uh, what's that other guy's name? The seven habits of how uh, Stephen Covey, mm -hmm. seven habits of highly effective people. Um, uh, oh, I was thinking there's one more that was really good, but it, here's the thing. Once you start into some of these books, it leads you to the others because then you'll, you'll like a book and then you'll look up, a uh, that guy and you'll see a podcast interview with him. And he's being interviewed by another guy, Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, it just, it one leads to the other. And because once you hear one, then you're starting led to the others. Um, so um, it's really just kind of a wormhole that you start down once you start getting away from. And look, I, I like, I like fiction books as much as the next guy, but you know, you've got a lot of time in that truck where you can educate yourself about, history and economics um pretty of any economics pretty much anything by murray rothbard um will will help you a bunch uh let's see i think the uh i think the dale carnegie series is good for oh yeah people that need that's one i was trying to think of and i couldn't <clears throat> come up with the name dale carnegie you know? even even if you can even if you could get into a local dale carnegie class one of there's several of them um but um you know, understanding how to, you're talking about relationships, you know, understanding how to, um, I hate to use that word build related because it's so cliche, mm -hmm. but how to form and preserve and maintain relationships, you know, 
both in business and in life. <clears throat> um, Rocky makes a good point. You know, when I started, Pennsylvania, Florida, New Georgia, York. New York, pretty much all the northeastern states, and then there was Pennsylvania and Georgia, their exit numbers did not match the mile mark. I saw an old picture of West Virginia. I guess when the interstate system started in most states, they didn't match. No, they, the, they were, they were numerical. You, yeah. you know, exit one was out probably in the South and they got bigger. Uh, but then what happens is they started adding other roads in there. Then they had to change them, the exit number. Yeah. So somebody had the great idea. Well, let's just get rid of the exit numbers and make them the mile marker. And that's what they all gradually changed. I think New York was actually the last one or maybe they no, haven't. Yet. They still have it. Well, on the three way. Thruway, on yeah. the throughway, they haven't, but like on 84 now, they match on the interstate 84. But the throughway, you know, it would take three acts of Congress and a and a and a miracle from heaven to get them to change anything. Um, but yeah, that was I hated Georgia and Pennsylvania back then because, and that was late 90s, early 2000s that they finally changed because um, it was just hard to figure out where the hell you were, you know. And that's why I bought that exit guide. You need to get the exit guide from, it's on Amazon. It's like 15 bucks. It's made for RVs, but like in New York, it has the exit number and the mile marker right beside it. So if you wanted to know that exit, get a little book, that exit guide is fantastic because it shows you, and that was life-changing for me when I got one of those at Iowa 80 in like 98 or 99, because then it would show me the last mile marker in the state and, you know, and all those <clears throat> others uh, was just uh, huge. You guys that always ask us where to get lunatic trucks. I'm seeing more and more and more mm -hmm. of them on Facebook and they're coming down. I'm seeing them now in the twenties, you know? Uh, so if you are looking for a lunatic truck, they're starting to be more available. Um, Wait about I, six I, months. I see a couple every day, you know, that you'll be getting them for five and $7,500 here in about six months. You know, I, <clears throat> Listen, we're not doom and gloom, okay? I, I am, I'm the, I'm the most glass half full guy you'll ever meet, okay? But this correction that has already begun, uh, this is normal, you know. Now I've still put some guys on, um, some nine and ten, eleven thousand dollar weeks, but that's not the norm. We're about eighty percent of our goal. Let me shout out John Reynoldson. Okay, uh, we're on week 53 that I've been picking his loads and we just crossed three hundred thousand dollars to the truck. After all the Landstar percentages, three hundred thousand dollars to the truck in 53 weeks. Um, but I can't do that unless he can deliver them because I can pick you the best loads. I can put all kinds of loads on you, but if you can't deliver them. It doesn't work. So. You know, John has been hustling, and I am happy to see him making a pile of money. Because um, that his, that that works out to like four hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars gross. His uh, some weeks. His third renewal came up, I think, a week or two ago, and before I could even get typed out there, do, are you <laughs> are you intending to renew? He's like, hell yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so. Um, now but we have John, to John's one of the guys that we have though, that he, he listens. I mean, 
you know, he's, he's not one of our, he's not in our program, but I mean, he's been, he's been, he's been to orientation. He came to our live events, two of them, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, he, he, uh, he stays plugged into what we do and he obviously is, uh, is paying attention to the things that we teach because that's how he's able to do that, uh, volume of business this year in this quote, uh, downtime of, of bad rates and high fuel and, um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's um, and and look, we have to adjust at some point. We kind of have to adjust our expectations. Okay, so let's just broadly look at the big picture. Two hundred and fifty thousand net income to the truck is pretty normal. You know, you can. Um, I think if you do things the way we do, even in a bad market, you could still do two fifty or three hundred. Um, but a couple hundred thousand dollars a year minus your fuel and expenses makes you a pretty good living. Right. And that works out to about four grand a week. Right. If you can get $4,000 in what we would call 1099 revenue to the truck, um, you're going to be okay. If you're managing your fuel and managing your expenses and you got a paid for truck, you're easily going to make over a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, personal income after all of your expenses, we've been in an, you know, unprecedented market where a guy can go out and do three or three fifty um, over the last couple of years. If you're hustling and working every week, we're, we're talking about six, $6,500 a week to the truck. Um, now that we're back in a normal market, you know, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm watching guys and I'm going, okay, you know, I mean, it sucks. And I wish I was putting 10,000 on him, but, um, he still made 4,200 this week, you know, but I remember a couple of times throughout the last few months that I would look over into that column. I've got a column in my spreadsheet that shows the, to the truck revenue. And I had some guys doing $10,000 to the truck in a week, you know, y'all that's, that's crazy. Okay. And that's not normal. And you can't expect $10,000 a week to be normal. Okay. It's not to the truck. Cause I mean, we're talking about 15 cause we had some, didn't we have some 15, 16, $17,000 gross weeks, you know, for a Absolutely. solo driver. Absolutely. That's, that's insane. <clears throat> now we're back in normal land and we're going to be in that four, five, $6,000 range. And if you can't make it, that's here's the big picture. I'm trying the point I'm trying to get to y'all. If you can't make it, on $4,000 net revenue a week, you got a whole lot bigger problems than the freight rates. Okay. Um, that, that, that's, that's the side of this equation that you're not paying attention to. Uh, you're not managing your expenses. You're not, you know, you got too much truck or too much truck payment, or you got too many girlfriends and too many motorcycles. And, you know, um, you, you got to, you just have to be realistic, you know? Um, well, and here, and again, it, 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 it's not just how much you make. Okay. It's controlling your cost. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we hammer this and hammer this and hammer. It. I mean, I, I get to the point where I've, I've, I know it, people get tired of hearing it, but if you're not, if you're not buying fuel every day, 
with a strategy, you're wasting, you're, you're spending money you don't have to spend. Okay. Yep. If you're not modifying your truck and getting the best um, fuel mileage out of your truck, you're wasting money. You'll, you'll bust your ass to go make another few hundred bucks, but you won't bust your ass to save it. Let's just go make more as mm -hmm. opposed to being able to, to keep what you've got and not have to, you know, not have to do that. You, you don't get to keep everything you make when you go make more money. You only get to keep what the profit was. And, uh, and, and the, you know, half of our, and the other part of that is, I mean, I can't, I mean, there's so few people that I know of and met in this business that even know their numbers, you know, they don't even know what they're doing. Right. You know, hell we've met guys that don't even know what their truck number is, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> to expect to know what their profit is. I mean, so if, if you, if you're not creating a P and L once a week, you have no idea what you're making or what you're capable of making. You might have money in your pocket. That doesn't mean you're making anything. And if you are making anything, making money, if you kept up your numbers, you make more. If you realize what you were spending as opposed to what you could have not spent. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's the part, that's, that's the part I bring to this industry that I can't believe doesn't exist is I come to this, not as a truck driver, not as a trucker. I come to this as a business owner business owners that know what stuff costs. I use it all the time. You go to McDonald's and you find the manager asking what a ketchup packet costs. He will tell you to the 10th mm -hmm. of a cent. You ask a truck driver what he spends on fuel. He has no clue what his fuel mileage is. He pulls something out of his ass or that little thing on the dash, but he really does not know. And he doesn't think it's important. Uh, it's more important for me just to get, I just need to get more rate. I just need to get more rate. Well, problem with that is how are you going to get that right now? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you can demand it and act like that you're entitled to get it. That doesn't get it for you either. So you can just pout and go home, sit, wait, you know. How about going to Washington, D.C. And, and march around the White House and get a red hat, you know. <laughs> Let's go do that. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, you know. So um, I, I want to I do the Greg, the Greg Thomas one, okay? Okay. Um, because th there, there's an assumption here that that 7% doesn't have a cost. So for the audio people, uh, you guys are great numbers people. So why do you forego the 7% pulling your own trailers? Because trailers cost money and they cost money to maintain and they eliminate about 50% of the good paying freight that we haul, which is called drop and hook. So, uh, and we, listen, we are, I am an excellent numbers person. Okay. Believe me, if I thought it was profitable, we would have a fleet of them sitting out here. But it, in our operation, it's not. And uh, we have we have tried it both ways. I haven't. I mean, we own a couple of trailers, but but not vans. But we have we have hooked to a trailer. Chris and I both have done this years back. Yep. And pretending that trailer was ours. Okay. And end of the day, end of months. We look at what we would have made with the 7%, what would, what, besides what we'd have lost in the freight opportunities that we would have. And it, it's not even a comparison, you know, um, that, that, listen, I have, we have two trailers and I know that they cost money because I see what the costs are that come through. And especially when you put drivers in them. Okay. Um, it, it might be one thing if you owned your truck, your one truck operation, you have one trailer and you want to go out and do, you know, uh, Vegas slot machines or whatever. That's fine. Go again. Remember what our market here is the first time owner operator buying the first truck. And there's no way on God's green earth. I would tell the first time operator to go buy a trailer. I wouldn't mm -hmm. even tell most people to do it. 
just like authority. I don't think 99% of the people have no business having no authority. Um, it's not in their best interest. They're not good enough with numbers. They're not good enough with details. They're not good enough with, with doing the things that, it, listen, if you're doing everything perfectly and you show me a piano every Wednesday and you're making tons of money and you, and you, can, you can go out and hire yourself all the things that Landstar does for 35%, I'm in your corner. I'll do it. But I've not seen that. I've not ever seen it, actually. So um, it's, it's, it's just not, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make sense for most people. And, and that 7% looks great, but, you, but it has a cost. Well, speaking great. of the numbers, okay, using the example from before, I booked $426,781.64 gross on that truck in 53 weeks, okay? Now, that includes fuel and accessorials, which does not, you know, it's only line haul. Now, I don't have a way to break this out to see exactly what his line haul number but even if you took the gross number, it comes out to $29,874.71. But um, he can't do the dedicated run that I've got him on now because he can't do drop and hook. He can't do um, most of the freight that I put on him. I mean, a bunch of the crazy stuff that was direct customer contract freight, he couldn't do. So you're not comparing apples to apples. You're, you're comparing apples and oranges because even if he could achieve that same number, which he probably couldn't, he probably would miss that by 25%. Um, so, I mean, that's hell that's, at this point, it's a hundred thousand dollars, right? So um, now here's the one exception that I'll give you to that. Um, everything we do is pulling drive the uh, general freight in a drive in. Okay. Now, if you want to work yourself into a niche and you want to have a lift gate and you want to have belly boxes and bars and straps and blankets and all that kind of stuff, and you want to put yourself in a niche market, that's a whole different conversation. And those niche markets do exist here at Landstar, but most people can't survive hauling dry van freight because they make dumb decisions like buying trucks with thousand dollar a week truck payments and buying trailers because they're mad at Landstar because they didn't fix the trailer fast enough or they had a flat tire, or their light was out or some idiot unplugged the ABS light. So you said it, we're great numbers people. And if it was, if, if it was numbers and it was valuable to have trailers, we'd have them and we don't. So um, I got one I want to hear. Uh, <clears throat> Evan, how much does it cost in total to buy a Freightliner and change it to a lunatic truck to put in your fleet? Well, I'm going to, uh, I, I want you to go to blue ribbon logistics.com, um, slash truck. And I have put in here a list of everything that you would need to do to that truck. Um, this is a not all inclusive list, but it's pretty comprehensive. This is pretty much everything that you would need to do to a truck to find it, acquire it, get it ready, lunatic it and have it pulling freight. If you go to blue ribbon logistics.com slash truck. So I'll give you some rough and dirty numbers. Okay. Um, let's say, Let's take the acquisition out of it. But we used to tell people you wanted to buy the truck for 10,000 or less. 
Now that's been a struggle over the last 18 months because the prices of the trucks have gone up so much. We have a truck in the fleet right now that given the condition it was in when it came to us, it should have been bought for $7,500, but he ended up paying 22 for it. Okay. But the, the kind of general thing is we've always said, if you can get the truck at 10,000 or less, you should be able to have it fully lunatic, fully prepared to go haul freight and be relatively trouble free for $40,000. So 10 to buy it 30 gets you, you know, hell in this case, a motor, you know, you got a motor, um, because we can get the motors done so cheap now, but you could literally put, you know, do an in frame tires, shocks, brakes, bearings, bushings, MD alignment, fleet air filter, OPS, Pittsburgh power, everything, you know, um, I think Zeke had about 40 in his and he acquired it for 5,500. Um, you can go listen to that episode, uh, where, uh, Zeke talked about his experience. So, I mean, and I've seen it now a, a few times over it, it's somewhere between 30 and $40,000 to have a reliable, uh, efficient truck ready to haul freight. Now we had a guy that probably, I don't know, 067, I'm not sure how long it was here, but it had terrible tires on it and the fuel mileage was atrocious and he finally a few weeks ago put a set of good singles on it and the fuel mileage went up at least a mile per gallon right minimum mm-hmm. and that's so brand, those brand new tires that will you know that, that will, will get, get better much right better. yeah so i mean if you figure i don't know right off the top of my head how long that truck's been let's say six months uh, one mile per gallon times six months he could have paid for those tires on day one He'd already saved that much, the cost of the tires, had he done it on day one. Um, so it's worth it to do that. Uh, but that, you know, <clears throat> I, I tried to put every all the information that I could. And I'm going to add one thing to that, because I put an air tank on Zeke's truck yesterday. Um, and that was not near as hard as I thought it was going to be. And it was 350 bucks plus, I don't know, an hour of my labor, whatever that's worth. Um, so I would probably put new air tanks on it just because, you know, it solved the problem. Don't go out here and just buy a truck though. If you're not going to take the time to spec it properly, Mm -hmm. uh, you're wasting your time because if you get a truck that's got 390 gears in it or whatever, uh, you're not, you're never going to get the fuel mileage out of it that we want you to get. So it's gotta be spec for fuel mileage. It means it's going to have the right combination, transmission, final drive, rear end ratio, uh, you know, tire size. Um, if it's going to have a Detroit in it, which we hope you do with that thing needs to be at, at, uh, whatever, whatever you're going to drive it at. And, and here we don't drive fast. So let's just say 62 as a, as a general rule, it needs to be at about 1250, 1300 RPMs, you know, at, at 62 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that combination, then you're either don't either pass on the truck or you're going to have to get it that way. And getting it that way involves spending a lot more money than that. So, your six thousand dollars in parts to change rear ends. Yeah. No, that's that's wrong. Well, I say that. <laughs> a year ago, it was about five thousand in parts and probably a thousand bucks labor to change rear ends. Now, who the hell knows? Now, you know, it could be ten. Um, now, again, get get out your BSE nine thousand. If you had the capital to say, all right, 
well, this, everything else about this truck is right, but it's got three nineties, but I've got $10,000 that I could swap the rear ends and the transmission to make it right. You'll get that money back in fuel savings versus putting it on the road with three nineties. Now well, you will, most, have five, you will have five bucks a gallon. You wouldn't have it at $3 a gallon. So yeah. it, you know, that's going to, that, that strategy is going to change with fuel price, but you probably could now. Listen, just pass and buy another truck. Okay? Right. It, and most of the 390 trucks are the old D Deck 2 and D Deck 3, late right. 90s, early 2000s trucks with super tens. Right. Uh, they put those super tens and 390s in a bunch of those trucks, um, basically just to please drivers because it made them pull better. Uh, but they were they were atrocious fuel mileage. In the, in, um, and I'll, I'll tell you something else I've learned. Um, I no longer want any more 99, 2000 centuries because the HVAC system, HVAC, the air conditioner is an older style. That's not like the blend door system. That's in say the 2003 to 2007 range. Um, I've had, I've been having to deal with a 99 with an air conditioner problem and it has been a nightmare because they had this stupid little box and the box goes bad. And then you've got, and it's got a, a thermocouple thing in it. And, um, I would much rather I, just give me a 2007. That's what I want. They built a freaking million 2007s. They uh, damn near all of them have 358s and an overdrive, or they're an old Schneider truck and they got a direct drive 10 speed and 264s. You know, give it just <clears throat> do everything you can to find an 050607. I'm not, I'm not all that keen on the old four, oh four and older. I'll take one if you had to. Um, but you know, oh five to oh seven century clump, prefer Columbia. Um, you're going to get the most for your money that way. Um, let's see what's Lee saying here. If you're going to swap rear ends, do you think it's worth it for the weight and fuel savings to convert it to a six by two single screw? I have personally never driven a six by two. Um, I have seen a few guys hung up in docks because they had a six by two. Um, we did, we did look at one and the guy put a locker in it. That's probably the only way I would do it. Um, he had a locking rear end where you could just lock both sides. Now you can't drive it around like that because you destroy the tires. Um, but it was a it was an old century, and somebody had converted it uh, to a six by two. But they had put a locker in. I think you would have to have a locker because if if not, you're going to get a one wheel peel going somewhere, and you're going to be stuck. Um, so that's probably the only uh, it's probably the only way. Um, <clears throat> well, plus another thing, got me. We're fleet. We put drivers in trucks. I would not put a driver in a six by two. Uh, Evan, I assume you guys take apart the EGRs to make sure it's not deleted. Uh, are they easy to take apart or to notice? Um, no and no. Um, it doesn't take long to figure it out because here's what generally happens. If somebody's going to do a delete on like a 14 liter, they're going to get rid of the variable geometry turbo and they're going to put a wastegate turbo on it. Um, and so here's how you identify that a wastegate turbo has a little rubber line. It's about, I don't know, three or four inches long that goes from the housing to the wastegate. If you open the hood on an 07 and you look on the right side of the motor 
and you see a little rubber hose, close the hood and walk away because somebody has deleted the EGR. Even if it's still there, it could still physically be there with the cooler and everything. Uh, but it's got a wastegate turbo on it. Just close the hood and walk off. Or you're going to spend eight thousand dollars. <sighs> well, if you had a Carl or or Chris or something, it's maybe five. By the time you bought a turbo, V pod, wiring harness, EGR, programming, you might get in under six thousand. If you take it to the dealership, it's going to be every bit of eight grand to put it all back because the V pod con- controls the VGT. So if you don't have that, and then most people will go in there and hack the wiring harness up. So you got a, you got a wiring harness, V pod, turbo, EGR cooler. Of course, now we know we can clean the coolers, right? Um, but if they're there, if they're still there, and yeah, in 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 decent shape, it isn't as difficult as I once thought it was. Um, because what they'll do is is they'll put a block off plate in there, and you can take the uh what's it called the the bellows uh it's just a clamp you could take the bellows off and be able to look down in there and see it but the other problem with that though is 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 you know when you when they do that it causes those heads and that the the, the heat buildup in that is so much you I mean you're eventually going to have to deal with a head gasket or a crack head yeah and so um you just got to factor that in it's just, it's not it's not if it's happened it's just when it happens so, um, we generally just say, no, thanks. Um, we have once gotten into this where we didn't, re- we didn't know, we didn't realize it. Learned the uh, hard way. We had to, and it cost us $8,000 to, to undelete a delete, you know, um, bought that truck off of a BCO by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, that, and listen, that. listen, yeah. now that, that wastegate turbo is something else because, I, it's a 10 speed truck and I went up fancy gap with 42,000 in the box in ninth gear, just a getting it. So, you know, uh, but here's the problem. And I, and I got a, uh, again, I got to thank that guy on TikTok, the uh, AD trucking or whatever, but he finally explained that when they put EGR on, um, it lowered, they, they put EGR on to lower the combustion temperature in the combustion chamber. And by doing that, it killed the horsepower. So to re- to, to make up for that, they raise the compression ratio in, in there to get the power back. Well, if you take the EGR off, you're taking that cooling effect out and you still have high compression, but nothing to cool the chambers. And that's why you end up with drop liners, blown head gaskets and cracked heads because it can't handle the heat. It needs the EGR to cool those temperatures down, uh, with that high compression motor. So, you think you're doing yourself a favor. You're just creating another problem. You're trading one problem for the other. Run Mike's mileage do, or do a diesel force cleaning. Diesel de- cleaning, right. Run Mike's mileage, problem solved. And get get uh, diesel uh, DPF alternatives to clean all that up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then don't, wor- don't have to worry about it. We, we can handle EGR. That's not a yeah, problem. EGR is not a problem. That's not an emission problem. We can, we can handle it. We can fix it. We can maintain it. It's not a problem. There's no reason to delete an EGR. No. You know, back in the day when nobody really understood how to deal with them, when they, of course, it was the the robots in the Steeler ships were the only ones working on them. And, you know, they're monkeys that if it doesn't tell them what to do on the computer, they don't know what to do with it. But now that we've kind of learned how to do that, 
Uh, Rocky, want to hear what Larry Long heard about tires. Down here, nobody has much inventory. They're not buying casings and scrapping everything. One of our largest dealers here had about 15 low pro 22.5s. 24.5s are non-existent. Um, I haven't had any trouble. I've had to go to a few different, like I've, I know I had to go to Best One Tire to get some Yokohamas because TA didn't have them. Um, I haven't had any problem getting tires. Now, we've got a damn storage unit full of DEF that we bought because everybody's like, oh, we're going to run out of DEF. We had one damn DEF truck, and now I've got 37 boxes of DEF, you know, because we because everybody swore we're going to have it. Uh, everybody's like, oh, we're, we're going to run out of oil. So we've got two 55-gallon drums of oil, and it never materialized. So I don't well, know the, if that's well, a, The oil has been hard to find. It's not it's, Yeah. It has been harder to find, but you know, everybody's like, well, is that one guy on TikTok? Oh, there's not going to be any oil. Hmm. Well, that didn't work out. We I haven't heard Rocky. I didn't hear anything about that. Um, my conversation was with, you know, wide base singles and in, in the size that we use and, and the inventories I've been told are coming back and they're making that tire again. So I don't, I, I don't have anything that, probably would interest you um i do see a couple of guys that they can't get 24 fives well i i there was a guy looking for a 17 five the other day that ended up having to put 22 fives on a trailer because mm -hmm. he couldn't get 17 five but uh, i don't have any information about that um i do think we ought to recognize uh oh yeah i forgot yeah. about that purple yet he's a sponsor now you're a sponsor um, um Need need to put another zero or two behind that though. <laughs> if you oh, want yeah. to, if you want to get us to make you a banner and talk about you a lot, you'll need to add a couple of zeros to that. But we have to, uh, yeah, we got to work on our super chat game. You know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I want to talk about this for a second. This came up in BCO days. You know, uh, did we discuss this already or not? The 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 ex ex excluding of an agent. No. That? No, but but it would be uh, it, it would be good for some, something for you to go off on. <laughs> well, I'm, there there's a lot of talk in BCO days about uh, changes coming up to the Landstar One app. You know, uh, one of the things they're talking about is for you to be able to hide a particular agent code if you don't like running the freight. No, you don't see it. You can just I think the word they used was not delete them, but you could exclude them. I think is what the word they used. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you wouldn't see the freight. Well, then they ta started talking about making this uh, Landstar One app be um, the ability to do it. Uh, what's it called, Chris? Book it now? Is that the word? Yeah, the book it now. They wanted to have a book it now feature on there, which uh, you know, if everybody understands that how hard that would be because a lot of the loads on the Landstar board aren't te aren't technically real loads. You know, they're bid loads or they're you know, they're there to get you to call so they can go get the load. Um, so uh, there was a lot of talk about that. And then and, and then the, the, the discussion again was, well, you know, can can I uh, can I make com can, can I make comments about an agent? And uh, and and it, it, it turns out that that you can. Um, so the the room got real upset when i asked well what about can agents exclude bcos 
or can agents talk about um, BCOs? And, and all of a sudden, that was not a, that was I was no longer the most popular guy in the room at that point. In time, okay, because I think this is a horrible idea. You know, it it for one thing. Here's here's the thing. There are eleven thousand BCOs. There's fourteen hundred agents. Okay, we deal with a lot of agents that other people hate. They're, yep. they're beautiful for us. We we you know we we probably work with agents that some other people hate. So it 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 you you can't judge somebody based on your 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 interface or your uh the, the 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 dealings that you have because it might not have worked for you but Landstar is not going to allow you to 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 rate them and have other people's influence be affected by that rating when their their uh, interaction with them might be spectacular and so, and the same thing, and the point I was trying to make was that if we let the agents do that to BCOs, would that be fair? Would that be fair for Scott to get on there and say, okay, here's the, here, here, here's a, here's a BCO that did this to me. I'm going to publicly put it on there so everybody can see what he did. Well, maybe there's extenuating circumstances about that. There's always two sides to every story, you know? So is it fair for that agent to be able to, to smear that, you know, when we have a, a Facebook group in there that, People love to go in there and be able to do that. And, of course, Landstar comes right in and deletes those because it's just not fair for one person to be able to say. And, and so you come back and go, well, I bet that's how we do restaurants, okay? But it, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. And Did, so, you, did you see the, the part last week Scott talked about how there, there will be the agents can see service notes? notes but, service. Yeah, well, no. Not necessarily. They can see service sales. But he said that there there is a place that, that it's a little cumbersome for them to get to. Like, they have to go looking for it. But there are comments about BCOs that have done this, that, or the other. But it has to go through corporate, and corporate has to approve that being put on the driver's record. So there is kind of a rating system, like you said. Um, but it's not – an agent can't go, oh, I don't like Larry – um, because Larry did something wrong, you've got to go to corporate. Corporate's got to decide that it's worth putting on the BCO's record, and then, and then it'll be there. Yeah, but anyway, I again, I I don't see the value in that. I don't see the benefit. It's just, it's just going to get people uh, having a revenge factor. Uh, oh, I, you gave me a bad load. I'm going to give you a bad rating. I mean, that's first of all, it's childish. Second of all, you know, that's not, I'm not going to pay attention to that. You know, I'm not I'm not going to not take a load because somebody on Facebook said something about this agent. Number one, most of the time, I'm probably going to find out that the agent wasn't wrong. BCO was. I've dealt with BCOs. I was an agent. Okay, yeah. I understand how this works. I know full well what it's like. What it's like to, listen, well, I'm not I'm not going to say that <laughs> it, it it's, it's a bad idea. Okay, it, it, it will not give you the results you think it's going to give you. It's going to give you some temporary satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Okay, but again, I mean, what, what are we here to do? You know, move on, move on. It's like the load board. The load's not there. The load's 2,000 pounds more than you said it was. Just move on. Okay, what it, it really is. It, is it worth that? You know? We, we, we had, we talked to a guy not just, just recently that was complaining because 
he, he, the low was on the board for this weight and he went to pick it up. It was this weight and he was throwing a big fit, you know? Uh, well, I'm not going to take the low. I'm not going to haul the low, you know? Uh, of course, right now, you know how it is to find load. So we give the low back what, what we're going to replace it with, you know? Um, and then the discussion went on farther and we found out that there's all these other things that would have made a lot more difference to this person's bottom line than that, than that weight, you oh, know, yeah. come they, to find out, they come to find out the guy didn't even have the Landstar one app even on uh, available to him. Wasn't even using it at all. So no fuel discount that he knows of, doesn't know where it is. And that's not a problem. But pulling a load that's two thousand pounds over over the weight published was going to be a big enough problem that I'm going to I'm going to cancel the load. You know, you just got to get some at some point in time. You got to become you got to become an adult. You know, at some point in time. Well, and here's here's the other big elephant in the room. Someone speaking English with a foreign accent is not grounds for anything you just don't like it now i i guess i hate to shock y'all with with saying something like this so everybody buckle up y'all realize y'all have foreign accents right to other people when, you know i mean can you imagine being in wherever uzbekistan and having to talk to richie you know i mean you talk about <laughs> for, you talk about a foreign accent holy God. Yeah. you know you're foreign or somebody but, oh, I hate these foreign agents. As if their geographic location has anything to do with the quality of their service. You idiot. I yeah. digress. Well, it's, it's prejudice. It's bias. And that's what that rating system would be. It would be full of bias and prejudice. It would not mm -hmm. be objective in the least. Nothing good can come out except a handful of other BCOs are going to go, oh, so-and-so uh, gave me a bad rating. I'm not going to call that one. It's just like you're going to sit home and not how afraid to change the rate. Tell me how that works for you. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell Wait, you. We did have. We, and I'm we did have. I think it was in Landstar hating Landstar, but we did have the guy that um said I'm that I'm not allowed in there, so I can't tell you. That said rates should be whatever the fuel cost is. So if fuel's five dollars a gallon. The rate should be $5 a mile. Okay. Now, I'm going to tap on the BSC 9000. If we got $5 divided by, say, 7, that's reasonable. That's 71 cents a mile. What are you going to do with the other $4.29? Hookers and blow? I, you know, I mean, because <laughs> um, I don't know what you're spending it on, you know. But again... We're still making money on the fuel surcharge. So most of the time, anyway, probably on average, right? Even with ups and downs, we're, we're making money on the fuel surcharge, or at least right at the number, probably on averaged out over the, over the year with the but, ups and downs and the, but most BCOs don't even understand the fuel surcharge. Well, that's true. Or <laughs> IFTA. Or that. Um, That's funny. The the guy that interviewed me on best practices, he was at because his question was about infrastructure, right? And and how infrastructure gets um, funded. And he was like, "So when I buy gas in my car, I'm paying a fuel tax." And I said, "Yeah." 
He goes, well, how do you, how do y'all pay fuel taxes? And I said, well, buckle up, son, because I'm about to tell you something that starts more fights than Budweiser. But I explained it to him in about three minutes, and he goes, well, that makes perfect sense. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't be a truck driver then. So uh, help me with Evan's question here. I'm, I guess I'm not following everything. Uh, he, he was asking tell about me. EGR, and then he's going to be in – Massachusetts at a dealer tomorrow? No, he's, he said the dealer would talk to me and I will have no idea what he will say because he's in oh. Massachusetts. I, oh, I got you. I got you. I got, <laughs> I get it. Okay. You talk about foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially around Boston. <laughs> um, uh, Dale, this is Dale. Dale said, I started my driving career in Germany. My boss told me in English and phonetic alphabet, where to go and how to get there. I learned German very fast. I was a foreigner. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I don't care what what. Look, if you got if you got freight that we want to haul, I, we I could care less what your accent is or where yeah. you live, and even if you don't know that Kentucky's next to Tennessee, I don't care about that either. Okay. Yeah. I would prefer you to. Maybe check a zip code in Pennsylvania before you pick one of those cities with a county qualifier. Because I promise you, Bethel, Pennsylvania, and Allegheny County is not where we're going. We're going to the Bethel in Berks County, which is 300 miles that way. But, you know, listen, if we ever go march on D.C., I just want Pennsylvania to be divided up into four states. That way, all the multiple town names are in different states instead of in the same one. Vote for me. <clears throat> Don't underestimate the inflation of hookers and blow. <laughs> well, you know, listen, they got to get paid too. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially in California, they can no longer be a 1099. They got to be an employee. So, yeah. Now, now they're at least are getting benefits, I guess, right? Well, I saw this week where, uh, oh, what was the bank? Maybe Chase or something. Kanye West got thrown out of his bank. I for saw being, that. You know. Yeah. And then somebody took, I think it was New York Times article about that, where they told him to hit the road. And then there was a New York Times article from like two years ago that they never, they never got rid of Jeffrey Epstein's money, but, but they have gotten rid of the scourge, Kanye West. (laughs) I think we know where their priorities lie. Uh, Let me scroll back through the comments, make sure we didn't miss anything. While you're doing that, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little recruiting pitch. We still have a truck or two we could put drivers in. We've got a truck coming on that uh, we've been rehabbing for quite some time. Matter of fact, I think he commented tonight he's anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's close. We need a driver for that truck. So if you're interested in our program, you want to learn how to do this thing the right way the first time. Um, understand, you know what it takes to stay in business. And to approach this trucking thing from a business standpoint, not from a truck driving, you know, standpoint only, then uh, come uh, check us out. Um, remind you that uh, we do have a sponsor, Pittsburgh Power. We'd love for you to give them your business. Tell them where you found out about them. And um, if you are, if, if you are uh, looking at the OPS product, uh, we have a complete episode on it, the benefits of it. 
and um, and uh, check it out. Uh, it's highly. I've had it since 2009 on my personal truck, and every truck we own has it. And um, it's the um, it, it pays for itself in about three or four oil changes. So uh, we won't go into all the benefits now, but there's a whole episode about it. Check it out. Um, the max mileage if you're driving an EGR truck or an emissions truck. Uh, if, if you'll uh, switch to the catalyst, get things cleaned up with a diesel force cleaning, um, we will, we, you'll pretty much eliminate your emissions problems. We've found that to be the case since we've used it. So um, what else you got? But we, do we work with BCOs? We work with BCOs. Yes, we'd be happy to. Um, you know, yeah, we have four right now that we're working with. And, um, and they've all, you know, they've all you know, stayed. It, it depends on what you mean by work with. I mean, we, we have a dispatch service. We have a business coaching and a mentoring and, you know, accounting. We have a, a variety of things that we can do. So um, it just depends on what your needs are and what you need help with and how you want to structure that. But absolutely, we'll do We've that. We've got a page on the website you can check out that kind of out lays it out, what we do and services that we offer um you know but the, the four guys that we've got we got you know when we first started kind of formally doing this i was a little nervous about it because larry had done it over the years before i came along and he was like yeah you know they'll stay a while and then they'll go um so i never dreamed that i would be on week 53 with a guy you know and i've got thinking another one i'm at like week 49 you know so I've got guys that have been with me a year, you know, just doing the dispatching and they've come to events and, and they've really embraced the, the, the way that we do things. And, and they've, they've all made a pile of money, you know? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly glad to have them. Um, and I could probably handle one or two more. Seth could certainly handle some. So, um, we've got some room, you know, to bring on a few more and, in this market, you know, you're, you listen, you're going to work harder for less money than you did six months ago. And that, that's just, that's just a fact and nothing's going to change that. You're just going to have to accept that you're going to have to drive further, haul heavier, um, for less money, um, because that's, that's, that's economics. Supply and demand, um, is the rule. <clears throat> well, and we hopefully can work with you where you can lower your cost to where it doesn't, it, you can afford to do that. You know, mm -hmm. the difference between being surviving is not, it's not going to be the loads. It, it, it's going to be, can you control your cost? Cause you can't change the rates. Okay. So can we find freight then? We, and can we affect your cost to where you can make a profit on the freight that's out there? Um, Cause that's going to be the business model for the next few months is can you stay in business at the current rate and make a profit? Um, and we can do, we do that. We're make we're, we're very profitable right now. And so um, it, it, but, but we have a very, very controlled cost and we, we don't make bad decisions and we're very, very time efficient. And we, you know, we, we, uh, we, we teach all the little details that make that possible, but it's not something that you can just do once in a while. You have to adapt, adapt this, and, 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 and that's why we call it the wax on, wax off, because you have to change the way you do things so that you're no longer making these bad decisions on a daily basis. 
and um, and uh, we we can pretty easily find the the problem areas, uh, depending on how open you'll be with your, you know, with your situation, with your settlements and your things like that. But we can uh, we can certainly look at it, analyze it, and uh, give you you know what our what our approach would be. Uh, and then on the dispatch side, you know, we don't have magic freight, we don't have secret freight. We have good relationships with a lot of agents only because we, you know, we, uh, treat them the way they want to be treated. And, um, so we have no problem sharing those, that freight with people that we bring on, but it's not special. It's not, you're not going to come here and all of a sudden get $8 a mile. That's not how it works here. You're going to get the same thing you're getting off the low board. We're just going to teach you how to do it and how to be able to deliver it and how to quit making excuses and, and be held accountable. That's what we're going to do for you here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to look up and go, damn, huh, I can do this, you know? Um, so your willingness to do that is, uh, is kind of important. Um, you have to kind of come here with your, with uh, your, your cup open so that we can fill it up and uh, take coaching and don't get your feelings hurt every once in a while. And, you know, we ask you, why'd you do something stupid? Um, we're not trying to ridicule you. We're just trying to, you know, illustrate to you the the impact that that's having on your business. And at the end of the day, it's all about staying in business. That's all we're about here. Is if you're going to get into business, let's get into it the right way with minimal risk. If you're already in it, let's get it so where you can stay in business. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be who survives to be able to fight again when the cycle changes. And that's what we're. That's what we can do. I've done it in this business since '09. I've done it in business business since 1977. So I uh, know a little bit about doing this, you know. So, um, yes, we'll work with you as a BCO. We'd love to have some of you come over as a, and be in our program uh, and, and, and then do this thing before you become a BCO. We think that our pathway to BCO is far superior than just coming here Certainly going and buying a truck and leasing a truck to come here to try to be a BCO. I, I can't tell you how much I, d- you know, I prefer you not do that. But um, anyway, uh, check us out. Uh, Chris, it's what is it? Drive for us. Do you have a banner for that? <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Drive for blue ribbon.com. Number, drive the number four blue ribbon.com. The way it works, you'll submit an application or a, really is it not an application? It's just sort of a, let us know who you are and then we'll reach out to you and set up a zoom interview and uh, we'll talk about what your situation is and how it would work with us. And uh, don't be, don't be, don't be shocked. That interview is not going to be like you've one you've ever had before because most of our interviews turn into counseling sessions, but uh, we're going to figure out early on whether or not this is something that would be good for you or not. And we'll tell you that right up front. You know, maybe it's not time. Maybe the, the timing's not right. Um, who knows, but, uh, it's certainly, we would certainly like to talk to you and see if that's, uh, that's the case. So, uh, all you guys that have hung with us tonight, appreciate that. We always thank you for, for being live listening. Uh, we are on TikTok now, so check us out there. Uh, Chris, are we on Instagram? We are blue ribbon logistics. Um, we've got five followers, I think. Yeah. Um, what's our, what's our TikTok? It, I saw it was like. It's Blue well, Ribbon Logistics. I know, but what's our, 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 our I saw s- some s- statistics there about oh, followers and views. Yeah, it's, and, um, it, was, it was crazy. Well, there's a, there's a, it's called LinkedIn bio, but if you go to, I think it's uh, beacons dot 
uh, IO, let's see, Blue Ribbon Logistics, beacons.ai slash Blue Ribbon Logistics. It's, it's, it's a link to everything, the link to the podcast, to Pittsburgh Power, to TikTok. And we have 21,000 likes on, uh, or followers, I think, I guess on TikTok. Um, oh, we're up to 15 on Instagram. We're getting big time. Nice. Um, but, uh, we've got a service that we, we, they're taking clips of the podcast and breaking it up. And if you want to have some real entertainment, go look at some of the comments, these morons on TikTok are leaving. Cause they have no idea who we are, what we do. This stuff just shows up in front of them and it's like little 25 second clips and they're going, what's this idiot talking about? So that, that's kind of fun. One guy, but, I was talking about oil or something. He thought I was, ta- I thought I was promoting electric engines. <laughs> Just kind of promoting electric engines or something. Can't yeah. find oil. But oh. I, I figure we'll, we'll get enough people right up on TikTok that it'll probably, uh, you know, take off. But, you know, listen, I, guys, you got to understand. Um, I lived the nightmare of doing business wrong. You don't want to do that. Okay. I'm a living testimony. Come here. Let us show you how to do it right. That wax on wax off thing is, is 100% because you'll, you know, it it would be great if I could set you down for, for three days or hell a day and just download everything into your brain. But I can't. We've tried that. We've tried that. It doesn't work very well. You have to live it and you have to experience it, and you have to change your identity. You're no longer a company driver. You're now a servant. You're a business person. You, you, every, all of your value is determined by what you're doing for other people, um, and that's what we teach you how to do. Um, and no, Timothy, we do not do any TikTok dances. That is 100% not going to happen. Okay? And we do not have an OnlyFans page either, okay? so hey, Easy now. So, uh, now we do this coming week, we're going to be on Saturday night at eight o'clock because we're at orientation this week. So, oh, yeah. um, so we'll be Saturday night live at, oh, at, uh, at, uh, 20 hundred Eastern, uh, we'll be coming live to you from West Virginia. Uh, and we'll be in the middle of an orientation. Uh, if any of you guys are going to be coming through West Virginia next week, stop and hang out with us. Um, and, uh, we will see you next Saturday then, right? Yeah. Christopher. Yep, 8 o'clock next Saturday. We'll see y'all then. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you.